Are you more concerned about your mum or Kyler Murray? What the fuck? Oh. Who do you love more? Well, who's going to bring me home Super Bowl this year? Your mum. Your mum. The Drop Back with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, and Joe Costanzo. Welcome back to the Dropback Podcast. I'm Sam Lewis, and as ever, joined down the line by Joe Costanzo. Hiya, Slew. How are we doing? Matt Burns Peak. You're right, Slewy. How's it going, mate? And Stan Wilson. How are you all doing, fellas? Not bad, thank you. Happy right. after our well, Sunday's victory. Yeah, victory for Sam, isn't it, Stan? Yeah. It's sweet. Mm. It's such a sweet taste in my mouth. Mm. It really is. Just um, waking up Monday morning, know that your team is victorious. It's just, there's nothing victory, like it. Victory. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've had a worse week one from a personal standpoint. I lost two fantasy football matchups. The Eagles blew a lead and I'm now last place in our game picks. It's been a bit of a horror show week one, fellas. You had a shocker. How many points did you um, lose to me by in fantasy this week, it Sam? It is not important. A loss is a loss. <laughs> who's, who's first in the game picks? We're on to Cincinnati. Um, I'm first in the game picks. I'm, I'm, I think I'm 11 and 5. So, I? yes, going on to the game picks. Joe and I are tied bottom at 9 and 7. Yes. That's, that's still average. It, it's like, not, yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's a wild card spot. Yeah. That's, Matt that's is second on 10 and 6. Oh, you love to see it. And Stan, after he did pick the Texans, I, first I, of I, all, and it went out on all our social media, but yeah. because it's his first year doing it, and he did let us know that apparently it was an accident. That I let you them. know half an hour later. That's but half an hour too late, I'd say. The question is, though, did you lock it in? But Stan is first with 11 and 5. So it's all very tight. There's only two wins between top and bottom in week one. For now. 9 and 7, it's, we haven't done too bad. I'm, I'm happy with that. We haven't done too bad, no. Whatever you say, Jerry, mate. It's never what settle it? for mediocrity, though, Joe. No. That's very true. So let's kick off the show because we have a lot to talk about, finally, it seems. Um, the season kicked off. A lot of stuff with, that you love to see. And Joe, what was the favourite thing you saw of Week One football? I thought, okay, he didn't look particularly good, but Mitch Trubisky didn't look really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that might be something that you kind of love to see because I mean we were all kind of hazing him over the off season, um, and we had doubts going into the season whether him or Nick Foles would start. I think there was a few risky passes in there, but overall it was a pretty good performance. Big comeback in the fourth quarter, um, 23-6 to six down, and they obviously managed to get aided by a failed Dondre Swift game-winning touchdown oh, catch. God, but that was, that was awful, wasn't it? Rocks. Yeah, that was, that was absolutely terrible. A I mean, hero, some would say. Yeah, yeah, but uh, 242 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions on the day. Very not Trubisky-ish. Very impressive fourth quarter as well. That is a, yeah. it's the type of thing we've found with Trubisky now is that he comes up without making him sound better than he is when it matters. If he can play consistently, he may even be a decent quarterback. But it must drive Bears fans in front offices mad knowing the potential is there. He has shown glimpses, yeah. glimpses of what he can be. Yeah. And then, but he continues to play like the first three quarters way too often. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. If, if he could just be more consistent throughout the entire game, it, it would be, you know, we're never going to, because he was taken in front of Deshaun Watson and in front of Pat Mahomes, there's always going to be that stigma around him. But I think if you're a Bears fan, it's an interesting one to look at. Like if, if he could just be more consistent throughout the game, then they could have something there, but I don't trust him to. Um, yeah. 
it's a shame they had to do it all in the fourth. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said, said there. Matt, what was your favourite part of the weekend? Mm. So this is going to sound a bit weird because... <laughs> is it to do with the Dolphins? It's to do with the Dolphins, but not in the way you think. <sighs> oh, I literally, I sent, a me- I sent a message. Yeah, yeah, We've got no, to let's... stop just talking about our own teams, have a bit more analysis. Oh. What I actually quite liked seeing, even though it stung me greatly, was Cam Newton bouncing back after mm. all of the shit he's had to deal with over the last couple of years. The injuries, the, you know, being massively overlooked for jobs and things like that, lands in New England. And on Sunday, he was exceptional. Literally looked like vintage Cam running the ball again. Like, you know, back when he used to absolutely dominate the the league with his sort of dual threat capabilities. He We saw a glimpse of that again. And, you know, if it had been against anyone else, it would have been... I'd, fucking loved it but as it is it's just my you know hmm. I, I like seeing it and that confidence he showed throwing himself into hits it hmm. does suggest that he is fully healthy now he's not trying to protect his body as much stan i know you were texting in our group the whole way that he's <laughs> going to get himself injured again he's gonna but at, le- at least he's starting at a healthy point yeah. which we can't say we've seen for the last couple of ye- yeah. years from yeah. him it's the worry I have with him is just the way he was throwing himself around that football field he was just throwing himself into tackles which is admirable but it's on it's unsustainable on yeah. in a sixteen game season. Yeah, it may it may just be a week one. Look, I want to show everyone that I am back, kind of thing, and then maybe he will ease it back a bit. But hopefully, you're not going to be right about that. He's playing what's called on the field. I mean, he can only yeah. You know, no, I meant what... the actual the final bits, like throwing himself into tackles rather than taking sliding or taking that step out of bounds. Yeah, he he can still run the ball effectively, but maybe he doesn't. He won't be quite as physical on every single run. Yeah, agreed. Um, can I be really cheeky and do another one in the same vein of running quarterbacks? You know what? Because you went against your norm and didn't just say a Dolphins positive, I'll allow it. Get in. <laughs> so the other thing that I really liked to see, and it was only something that I really noticed until like after the games, was Kyle Murray's absolute clinic and not getting hit. When a, running mm, he was like, amazing. He put on a show. Out of his skin. I mean, we we were talking about it on our group chat during during the game. Just how he looks like, it looks like he's not even moving that quickly. But you know, people just are being left in his wake. And like I said, he put on an absolute clinic and how to protect yourself. I think there was only one instance where he was technically hit on a run, and it was somebody pulling him down by a shirt. It was a late hit as well. Yeah, every other time he he slid before before contact or went out of bounds. So in terms of that longevity, which we were talking about a little bit with Cam Newton there, like Kyler Murray's maturity to be able to protect himself and still be super effective was... Yeah, awesome. absolutely. And it's also, like someone presses fast forward just as he's about to make contact with a defender and he nips exactly. away. And he's, exactly. just, he's so quick. Like the, yeah, he's a speedy little feet. boy. Yeah. yeah. If you do happen to be a young mobile quarterback and you want to improve your game, watch, watch Kyler Murray film. Yeah, you will improve your yeah. game massively. And maybe play baseball because it looks like the yeah. sliding plays a huge help yeah. in that. Exactly. Yeah, find just, a local baseball pitch if there is one near you. Exactly. I, I just think it's nice because obviously injuries, we've seen injuries ruin really promising youngsters' careers before. And obviously mobile QB, you know, that's such a risk. Being able to see people like Kyler Murray show that maturity to protect themselves, it hopefully means we'll be able to see more of Kyler Murray for the next few years. Yeah, I Absolutely. think him, Lamar, Mahomes 
and you think you could probably put Russell Wilson in that category as well. They're showing how you can be a sustainable mobile QB in this league and not just a runner, but yeah. use that speed and agility as part of the whole package to make your passes even more dangerous. Because Lamar Jackson just reached a whole new level on Sunday that we hadn't seen from him even in his MVP career, it seemed. Yeah, and I didn't have to say it. <laughs> uh, Stan, no, favorite favorite thing you saw this weekend? Um, I'm just gonna have to go with the Gene Man, the man, the meme, the legend, Gardner Minshew. When <laughs> 19, he went 19 of 20 on Sunday, led his team to victory over the Indianapolis Colts. Along with that, he threw three touchdowns and threw for 173 yards. Very so impressive. Am I right? It's what yeah. he does. Up it's 173 yards. I mean, it was quite clinical, wasn't it? It was it's... clinical. He's just, he's a winner. That's the that's the one way I can describe him. He's just a winner. He's a born winner, and he loves it. I was going to save this for later on the show, but you guys are absolutely right. I went back and watched the Jaguars tape from this weekend, and I liked everything I saw from Gardner Minshew. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I've changed my you opinion. I think to us, Matt. I, I should have listened to you guys. You were right. Um, Vindication. They, and I don't know what's going to happen if the uh, Jaguars do get the number one overall pick. Like that puts them in a really tough situation if they go for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think they should yeah. now. Don't looking take at that, it. surrounds him because everything he does is the correct decision. Mm. It, he do, he know, and the best thing about him is that he knows his own limitations. He doesn't try it and overkill everything. So yeah. he hits what's open. He'll take the shot if it's available, but he's not going to force it. So. Yeah, yeah just, you guys just, absolutely right about Gardner yeah. Minshew. Just go, just go back to what you said exactly. there about him taking taking what he's given, and that's that's the best trait a quarterback can have, in my opinion. Taking what the defense gives you, and that's what that's part of the way that Dak Prescott has made his millions. I mean, it, obviously, he's not. Yeah, well, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the in the in the fact that you just take what the defense gives you, if the, if the if the deep ball's not down there, don't take it. Take check down every time. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to keep you keep racking up those yards and getting you those first downs. And so, yeah, Gardner Minshew, he put on a quarterback quarterbacking masterclass on them on Sunday evening. But he's, yeah. not, he's not scared to take the the shots as well when they do present themselves to it towards him. Like comparing him to Drew Locke, it seemed towards as the game went on, he was increasingly unsure about throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Yeah, he's taking the dump dump offs, but he's not mixing that with having an expansive passing game the way that Minshew does. Yeah. You've got yeah. to be able to you've got to be able to read different three different levels of the field. Otherwise the defense is going to catch on to you and you're going to be no use to your team at all. Ninety five completion rate is ninety five percent completion rate is kind of insane as well. Yeah. Well that's to... not sustainable, but the point no. is because there are going to be more opportunities where it's going to have to throw things away. Obviously yeah. And there will be great D B plays. So Matt exactly. was that I said, is it not? <laughs> no, it, it's not. Well, wow. I'm gonna have to leave you on this one. I've I back Minshew with you this whole um this entire off season, but it's not sustainable. No. Yeah, probably not. But you all mocked me when we were doing the Jaguars preview and I said Minshew was gonna be sick. So I didn't mock No, I, just... I agree Minshew's good. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't and I was wrong. I'm gonna leave you on Minshew about Minshew Mountain if you're gonna claim that he's gonna hit a ninety-five percent completion rate for the rest of the season. Best season ever. <laughs> he's more than just a moustache, ladies and gents. The man, the moustache, the legend. Minshew. Nice. So my favorite thing this weekend, thing I love to see, was the Seahawks actually calling a game that complimented Russell Wilson. Yes. Yeah, I like that. They threw the they threw the ball on early downs, which I don't think is Wilson's ninth year now. I don't think they've done that ever. 
exactly. with him. And yeah, I get they won a Super Bowl by running the ball with Lynch, but that was when he's developing as a passer. Mm-hmm. Wilson is arguably in the, I don't think he's in the top three quarterbacks in the league at this point. His career. Yeah, and the fact that yeah. they were protecting him still seemed ridiculous. But I think they, I don't know, it seems that they finally realized that they've actually got an elite talent at quarterback. And yeah. if the play calling now matches his talent, then I'm feeling very good about my Russell Wilson MVP prediction. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say this on, I, I had this later on in the segment, but they had 25 pass attempts in the first half compared to what their usual strategy of just trying to establish the run. Pete Carroll always wants to do. Ends the game with what, 31 out of 35 for 322 yards, four touchdowns. I, I, yeah. It's not unfounded to me that he could have an MVP season, if I'm honest. And I mean, 38 points on a Falcons team that aren't, like I said, we spoke about them very recently. They're not a bad team. No. The defense like, I, that's what I was going to That was my tempering expectation the fact that it was against this Falcons defense really yeah, yeah it's not it's, a great defense really they, they, yeah the the defense isn't, isn't... It's, it's the, that's the thing so, I'm, so I was unsure whether this is sustainable for them if this is the way they're going to play going forwards or yeah. if they just saw an advance advantageous matchup against the Falcons and thought you know what let's let's go for this but the 13 first plays 10 of them were passing plays mm. so that's something we haven't seen with the Seahawks in 10 mm. years let the boy throw. Exactly. Let Russell cook. Yeah, they hard, they, cook. they hardly ran the ball at all that game. Chris Carson only received six carries. Carlos Hyde only got seven. And it just shows how maybe they're moving away from being yeah that run first team they've been mm. in years past. And he spread it around so well as well. Each position group caught a touchdown. Yeah. But as much as there are things you love to see, inevitably some things will pop up on screen on Sundays and leave you shaking your head. You just hate to see it. Joe, what what drove you mad this weekend? Um, what especially saddened me, not only as an owner of him on fantasy, but just in general, is Saquon Barkley having six rushing yards on 15 attempts. Yeah. Um, he averaged, what, 0.4 yards a carry, obviously no touchdowns. I think he had 60 yards, 60 something yards in the air, which is all right. But the Giants O line just looked problematic the entire game. Uh, Daniel Jones couldn't, like, yeah, he was getting sacked like every other play. And yeah, it, it just, obviously, the Steelers have got one of the better defensive lines in the league. But it was sad for me to, to see how much of a non factor Saquon was in that game. And obviously, it was part of the Steelers' defensive plan to limit Saquon Barkley's involvement. And, you know, as I've said in the past, like the offense kind of goes through Saquon in New York. Um, but yeah, I I think that was especially, I mean, I, I hate to see it because I just love the man so much. But, you know, it, the issue it made was, me a bit sour. It was, it was almost the exact opposite of the Seahawks play calling. And it's something we're seeing with Jason Garrett time and time again, they come out in first and set, first and ten, second and long in run-heavy formations and just try and run the ball. And yeah. the Steelers' defense were having none of it because the play calling was so obvious. There was very little play action early doors. When they were, that's when Darius Slayton got the big touchdown at the start of the game and then they just got away with it. Bud Dupree was just coming unblocked off the edge because he just didn't respect the passing nature of the Giants' mm-hmm. offense. So, Exactly. Well, to be honest, the, the, in terms of passing weapons, Slayton's the best they've got at the moment, really. His his chemistry of Jones, anyway. I think they've been kind of screwed over with injuries and 
everything like that as well. So yeah, they've always got like Sterling Shepherd, but he's he's no he's never going to be anything more than a number two receiver, really, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's an underneath. Yeah, he's a re- re- running guy. He's not a big play threat necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was a bit disheartening when you see someone so talented just misused. Uh, it'd be better even if they were using him almost as a decoy for those play actions because it is effective. I don't understand why why you're trying to jam him down the throat of the defense when they know what's coming. And yeah, you're, uh, it's not like your O line is good enough to bully people. Yeah, unless you run it to the left hand side, like that's the only way they're going to succeed in that game. But yeah, running down people's throats just because you've got Saquon Barkley, I think that's what happened in the fact that. Mm. If they had any other running back, the game plan would have not been so run heavy. They can't, you can't just focus on one talent and say, because we've got him, we can do what we want. Because unfortunately for them, that's not how running works. You need to have an O line to create gaps and create yeah, spaces for the running back to run into. And Saquon Barkley, he can't, he can do many things on his own, but create gaps is not one of them. Yeah. Maybe some more like empty sets and have him out wide. He can run routes. You might as well use him in that regard as well. I don't think you can yeah. afford to do that and leave, not leave a running back to help protect Jones. Yeah, that's that's also a good point. The yeah, when they did get in the ball in open field, he did show his explosiveness. It's just yeah. get able to do that. Um, Matt, what was your thoughts? Um, so, I was really disappointed in the Tampa Bay offense in general, I think. And it, I would guess it sort of ties in with, you know, this could also have been a, a one for a later on in the show, but I, I was so excited to see how that would work with the number of like amazing playmakers they have, and it just didn't. It just looked disjointed. It didn't really click. I mean, Mike to have Mike Evans, one of the best wide receivers in the league, and he gets one reception for two yards. I mean, yes, it's yeah. a touch, but I think he's injured. They, he, they was yeah. doubtful all week, and then questionable on the Friday. I don't think he was fit to play. And then if he's not one hundred percent and coming up against Marshawn Lattimore. And Marshall Lattimore's own team, yeah. that's a well-known fact. So, I just, uh, I was I was left disappointed with the Bucks' offense in total. It, it seemed a little bit destroyed. It seemed like almost a case of too many cooks in terms of trying to force-feed people touches and, and stuff rather than you know, going with what's working. And, you know, obviously Brady's first game with the Bucks finishes with two interceptions and a, and a loss. I don't think he played particularly badly, but... Mm. People are going to look at the two interceptions and they're going to say, oh, Brady had a shocker, he's gone. Yeah, which which absolutely isn't the case. But I think as a unit, that offense didn't look quite right. And it was something that I was quite looking forward to this season. Mm. It might be a case of, you know, first game, shortened off season, less time to to gel and things like that. And we might see it pick up. But yeah, I was looking forward to that matchup this, this week because of those two offences, and it sort of only really felt like one of them turned up properly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's going to be really hard for them to go forward without Mike Evans as well. Mm. Because other than that, they don't have a true number one wide out on their team who can take, can take take care of that number one quarterback like Marshall Lattimore. Mm. And uh, mm. they're, going to, they're going to really, really struggle to do that, especially as Bruce Aaron's really fond of the deep ball and sending the ball downfield. It's going to, it's going to be, they're going to really, really struggle. And part of the issue must have been the chemistry on the field because obviously there's, there were no OTAs there was no pre-season the team's yeah. been together not very long time at all and so I, I hope to see them improve as the chemistry builds on fields it will have to but yeah definitely a disappointment showing from the Bucks in week one yeah Gronkowski didn't look particularly great either I think those well. expectations are unrealistic I think yeah. they brought him in 
as much of a leader as a blocker than they do a receiving threat because they've got they want to be receiving threat in tight ends. They've got that already on the roster. Yeah, OJ Howard had a big touchdown. Cam Brate's proven that he can make clutch plays. So I think expecting Gronk to be what he was, no, is... it's just unrealistic. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do think there's there's an element of it as well that's just like the big offensive shift, kind of like we were saying with the whole pandemic and everything like that. The the opportunities for them to all work collectively as a team has just been cut. So I find that it might it might get to like mid season before we can actually see sort of them come yeah. together and take the strides necessary to be what everyone was kind of expecting out of them this year. Well, on, the, on that note, late. actually, that was that was precisely what my hate to see it was just for the NFL as general. There was a lot yeah. of sloppiness, yeah. both sides of the ball, lots of different teams. Yeah, and. Uh, it was tackling, it was blocking, it was, and there were a lot of injuries as well. It, injury. it, it almost felt like the Thursday, I said to Stan earlier, the Thursday night game of weeks. It's just when teams aren't quite ready to come out and play because yeah. they have, they, yes, they've had training camp, but they haven't had any competition. They haven't had the preseason games where the starters, maybe they'll get six drives in the whole preseason, but it gives them that little bit of sharpness. Yeah. Games did tend to pick up after the half. But that first half was really rocky for a lot of teams. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I definitely noticed I that in the Cardinals, like in Cliff Kingsbury's play calling. Like there were a lot of just questionable calls, dodgy, yeah, just dodgy offense all around. But then, yeah, th- things really picked up towards the end of the game. So hopefully we see that change as we uh, move down the stretch. Did anyone else notice just the sheer amount of dropped tip drill uh, interceptions as well? Mm-hmm. That that's, uh, probably plays into the same, the same element like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I, something I did, that would usually be ironed out by now. Yeah, I did feel as well that from a play-calling perspective, as you said, in the first half, slew, it felt like teams came out and played things very, very safe the first half in general with the play-calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just as an example, like Chan Gailey for the, for the Dolphins, some really sort of un, unimaginative, very basic sort of, we'll, we'll keep doing the same things. It almost felt like, there were some plays that they were comfortable with running and then some where they did, they were tentative to sort of open up the playbook a bit. And I guess we should have really expected that based on the off season, but it was still a little bit sort of underwhelming when you're really excited for the first game of the season and you go into half time and you're like, eh, yeah, I don't really see much. I, I think that's partially because everyone, as the media are so excited about every team, every team can make a playoff push this year. Imagine how all these teams are feeling themselves when they've just seen themselves basically on air for the last yeah. three months. Yeah. They must think, right, we've got it this year. We're gonna, we're gonna, we've taken that next step forwards. We look amazing. Everything's clicking. But they haven't had any competition. They've got too much faith with the guys on the low end of the roster because they haven't seen them play preseason games. So obviously, you're gonna look better in practice. Smooth one. They're just not used to it. Yeah, it might, it might take a few weeks, but yeah. we'll get there. Well, hopefully we will, yeah, exactly. Hopefully it won't take the full four weeks. I think we, I think that might be a wake-up call for a lot of teams because there were a lot of surprising losses actually week one. But Dan, what was what frustrated you? The Cleveland Browns, the, <laughs> the new the new the new Kevin Stefanski Stefanski offense in there. It it was a complete letdown. I know it's the Baltimore Ravens defense, and credits them. Mm. They yeah, they've got a phenomenal defense. Like Calais Campbell was playing absolutely out of his skin that game. What a boy. He, he is a boy. He's an absolute boy. But 
What stood out for me is just Baker Mayfield looked disjointed and he just didn't function as a quarterback as he should do. He was 21 of 39, 189 yards and a touchdown and a pick. And Mm. obviously stats don't tell the entire story of the game, but if you just look at the targets that Odell Beckham received, 10, you'd expect maybe seven or eight catches from him. He He caught three of them. And that speaks volumes for me. It just shows the fact that Baker, Baker Mayfield is force feeding him the ball out of desperation and hope in those late in the late stages of the game when they're down, and it it just shows that he's maybe not the, the how he didn't deserve the hype that some gave him during the, this off season. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one with Cleveland because it was sort of obviously last year was the 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 hype hype train, and then this season it was. Yeah. Like, all right, last time was a misfire. Like this time, they've yeah. built the team the right way. They've built the trenches up. Surely they're going to work now. And then that was, I mean, 38 to 6 loss on opening day to a division rival is possibly the worst, probably the worst start to the season you can actually Yeah. Have. A division and, rival they beat last year and ran close in the second game. Yeah. And the, yeah. the play calling as well, very skeptical of it. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were both averaging well over five and a half. Kareem Hunt was averaging five and a half yards per carry. Nick Chubb six. They only, they only, Nick Chubb received ten attempts. Kareem Hunt had thirteen. And if you're that mm. successful running the ball behind an O line that strong, why aren't you just shoving the, running the ball down their throat? Because that's clearly it, what's working. I think that was just because of the the nature of the game. We were so far ahead. They they kind of had to pass the ball. They felt like they did. But and that clearly it, didn't work either. Yeah, it's not it's not their strength. Like I was kind of worried in the first quarter watching that game, um, just the the success that they were having with the running game. Uh, I thought Nick Chubb looked very good. He was pulling off a few good runs. The Um, the thing that they need to realize is they need to be a run first team. They need to run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball and use that to set up the pass rather than vice versa, as is common in other spread offense teams. Yeah. We did see that early on, though, especially in the first quarter, a lot of double tight end sets, a lot of Nick Chubb running the ball down our throat. But I think just given the nature of how the game went, they, they, can't, they couldn't really afford to play to their strength in, in that regard. Yeah. Is it too on the nose to say that you shit the bed? I mean, you said it, so... Just an allegation. <laughs> you know what? I take the publicity if Odell Sue does. Like, what? <laughs> As soon as for what? <laughs> We'd really blow up. It'd be great. Yeah, any press is good for us. I'm all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so following on from Stan's point about and Matt as well, how this season was supposed to be the year that the Browns made it again. Like as you said, a lot of off-season hype. Maybe this is the time for a real run. Where else was all the off-season chatter either right or completely way off target? Joe, do you want to kick us off again? Uh, yeah, I, I've put down one which we were kind of silently saying. I know Stan will agree with me, but the Cardinals, I thought Kyler Murray had a very efficient day on the ground. He would have been his career high for rushing if it wasn't for the nine yards lost for kneeling. And then DeAndre Hopkins had a career high game with 14 receptions as well, showing that he's going to be heavily used in the Cardinals offense, offensively and defensively. They look very sound. Uh, you can look up more of that. Into Stan's just put up an article on the Dropback website about this very thing. I give that a read. But yeah, I, I was really impressed by them. And I think in terms of what our chatter was, I think they, they kind of proved proved us right. Yeah. And is there anything that you think either we or the greater media world was very wrong about? 
the Washington football team, I think. There, no one expected the Washington football team to be leading the NFC West East after no team after week one. Uh, they had six defensive linemen combined for like seven sacks or something like that. I think they had eight sacks overall on the game. Um, their little sleeper D tackle Matt Ioannidis had a, had a bit of a day with four QB hurries and one and a half sacks. I just like I said, I, I don't think anyone really expected it out of them to to be. I'll be interested to see what happens when they come across a deal, an offensive line rather than five turnstiles. But either way, yes. you can only really beat with what's put in front of you. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's true. No, the, the thing that impressed me about that team is how much they fought to come back from the deficit that they were facing. Yeah. And maybe it's the fact that Ron Rivera had to go off at half time for a scheduled IV. And the fact he's, he's, he's currently fighting cancer, for yeah. those of you who didn't know. But yeah. that's, that's, that fighting spirit is clearly instilled in that team. And it was just it was a phenomenal display of just grit and determination from to come back from the, such a deficit and then just beat a team who should have absolutely mm. swept them off the pitch. Yeah, exactly. maybe the whole issue with them was was the name. You hear all these stories about curses when you're buried on Native American burial grounds and all that sort of stuff. So oh maybe using gosh. the name was a curse for them. Exactly. Yeah. So you're saying if they win the Super Bowl, they should just keep it Washington Football Team. Yeah, well, not Dan necessarily keep it. Dan just, it, just, it just shows they should have it. changed the name earlier. <laughs> yeah, Dan Snyder said he would consider keeping the fo- keeping the name if everyone likes it. <laughs> I don't yeah. hate it. Like, yeah. think about every football team well, in the U. Every better than the alternative. Every Premier League team is just called something FC. It's the same equivalent. That's true. Yeah, they've got like a nickname, like or something like that. Oh, they can have a nickname then. The the Washington nicknames. The footballers. I like that. The Washington nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a good one. <laughs> what well, that chart is just we're singing. We're singing. <laughs> Generic. Just go really go on the nose team. with all of it. Yeah. Oh dear. Player score a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is amazing, though. Uh, all right, Matt, where the media right and where they wrong? Hmm. So the media were 100% right, and this goes back to draft day with pre draft analysis. Everyone was 100% right, right on Chase Young. Chase mm. Young looked so, so good on Sunday. I mean, as you said, it, the Eagles O line situation obviously isn't fantastic to say at the least, but he looks. A threat for every passing play for pressuring the quarterback. He finished with a sack and a half and a forced fumble. Just his speed coming off the edge mm. was just so noticeable every single snap. So he was absolutely as advertised. We, you know, we heard pre-draft with his his grading and his play in college that he was going to be the real deal. And week one, he showed up and was definitely the real deal. Um, where the media were wrong. And this seems a bit harsh because it is very early days, but the Broncos' offense was yeah. underwhelming to say at the least. I mean, of all the off-season talk has been about how many. They're the, the Browns 2.0. Yeah, well, it, exactly that. You know, all the off-season talk has been about how they've got all these fantastic weapons. You know, it's it's you know primed to be one of the best offenses in the league, and then to only muster 14 points. Yes, they played a decent team, but still. I know, I know, Court and Sutton being out made a difference. Yeah, but it it felt a little bit like 
lackluster. Yeah, exactly. But how how much of that do you think is to like we said with the the bucks and everything like that is just the gelling that normally would happen over the off season and OTAs and preseason that just hasn't been able to happen this year? A hundred percent, that will have played a part. And yeah. like it, it, you know, this isn't the finished Denver Broncos offense that we're going to see this season. They're going to improve. They're going to play better than they played week one. However, I was expecting more from the week one. Maybe that might have been optimistic from a you know you know they've got all these fantastic weapons you want to see it work point yeah. of view and they will just need time but week one you know, Broncos I think I well. think everyone was looking at all of these players their top end we have to remember a lot of these pieces that people are excited for are rookies or yeah. very or second year players Drew Locke has still hasn't played a full slate of games Stan that was something you brought up a couple of weeks ago when we did our NFC West preview Jerry yeah. Judy, however good a route runner he can be, he's still a rookie. He had a big drop that, again, mistakes, you learn from that. So, yeah. and, and again, these are young players that have just missed out on a, on a proper off-season of chemistry, getting better, improving, getting stronger. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think their entire team, if you look at it, was completely overhyped in the first place because you've got a quarterback who's good. You can't say anything more. He's not bad. He's not great. He's just good at this point. And then if you look at the wide receiver room, you've got obviously Cortland Sutton, one of the best players and one of the best receivers in football, hands down. Jerry Judy, a rookie, and KJ Hamler, a rookie who is literally just a gadget player at college. So they did okay in their game, but yeah, we can. I think we can expect more from them as we go down the stretch. And I think it, it won't be a quick fix. It might be week 13 before we see them click properly and play as the offense that we expected them to be. Mm. And, and just, I mean, outside of even the wide receiver room, like, I mean, Lindsay had a really quiet game. Seven carries for 24 yards. He got hurt. 11, turf toe. Like, Dreaded turf toe. Dreaded turf toe. Yeah, and I mean, Royce Freeman, obviously, again, was pretty much a non-factor. One rush for no yards and then one reception. It, it, we, we thought it'd be Melvin Gordon leading the back room, so that's not a huge surprise. But again, even like those players who have stood out in the past, really figure very much. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Lose Miller as well just beforehand. Mm. Yeah, um, Noah Fan, though, someone people are excited about. He really had a good game. 100%. I think that's his, that was his proper breakout game in the NFL. He's shown flashes, yeah. but he's shown that he can be a legitimate threat now. But with the Broncos, what people neglected to mention during the offseason, because you get excited by these shiny pieces, is that their offensive coordinator is Pat Shermer, <laughs> who did yeah. nothing in New York with Saquon Barkley. So, yeah. Maybe we do need to temper expectations a bit because he's not show. Yeah, he had one good year with Case Keenum, and other than that, he's been a very average sort of run of the mill offensive mind. And that yeah. might be a bit harsh, but I can't remember. You don't think big offenses in the NFL? You think Andy Reid, maybe Cliff Kingsbury now, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Bruce. Arians. No one think Bruce Arians. No one think. Oh, let's run that Pat Shermer offense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, n- n- not if you've got any sort of ambition to finish no. above eight and eight. And the fact that Vic Fangio's st- he's he doesn't seem to know what he's doing as a head coach. And the time management at the end of that game was horrendous. It, yeah, just lets the clock run down to let the Titans take the field goal. I don't know if he's expected them to miss it again, but you can't bet on that. He's an NFL kicker. You can it, never bet on that. Yeah, maybe he shanked two, but it was what a twenty-yard kick. Yeah. And so you don't use your timeouts and you leave yourself with what a couple of seconds on the clock by the time after the kick goes through. So you just rob yourself of any chance of winning the game because they were in this game all the way to the end. 
Despite the fact, despite the fact that the offense wasn't as explosive as we'd hoped. Mm. Yeah, just naive, naive clock management. And again, like, I think everyone was expecting more from the Denver Broncos, rightly or wrongly. Like I said, they had those shiny pieces. Some of them turned up, some of them didn't. But I think maybe we will have to temper our expectations as to their young players. They need more time to develop. And also, they can only succeed if they're put in a position to succeed ultimately. If Pat Shermer doesn't call good games and Nick Fangio can't manage the clock properly, you can have the best offense in the world. It's not going to get you any points or it's not going to win you games. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stan, you're up. Um, I'm going to start off with the media are wrong. Um, morning of the draft, like the day of the draft, we were all incredibly surprised when the Packers, they passed on taking a wide receiver in the first round. They went, they went for Jordan Love instead of giving Aaron Rodgers a weapon. But... That was no problem for Aaron Rodgers in week one. He led his team to 43-34 to 34 victory over the Vikings and just reinstated the fact in our minds that is that he's an elite quarterback and he's one of the few elite quarterbacks left in the league. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he had a great game like that. There's no way you can dispute that. And this team this team will likely sweep the division again. The, the running game was fine as well. The receivers, he spread the ball out as well. It wasn't just Devontae Adams. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had a 96-yard game. Adam Lazard had 63 yards. And they used, they used the tight ends a fair bit as well, but not Robert Tonyan as some expected to be used. <laughs> Blue. Wait, which tight ends did he use? I thought he um, didn't use any of them. Wait, no, no, my bad. No, he, he, he didn't use the tight ends very much. He never he used just, the tight ends. No, it's just no. Deguro De and Sternberger didn't get the... And Deguro got a reception, who I what, said... One reception? I got, yeah. <laughs> no, I take that I take that back. I was waffling there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the media, they were wrong. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need receivers. Hmm. What, the tra- what the, I mean, what if they had given him a, a re- receiver, though? If they had given him a receiver, then they could have blown the Vikings to bits, maybe. Yeah. Well, what about maybe the GM knew exactly what he was doing? He was just lighting a fire under Aaron Rodgers to get him all riled up into MVP form. I hate when they say that. <laughs> they say what? Lighting a fire under. I mean, I, I was going to go on to mention the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, but yeah, I, I, I just hate that whole. You know, he looks like a man possessed, to be honest. I think that he he kind of strikes me as a guy who would take things to heart and like hold grudges in that way. Even if he's very professional with Jordan Love and everything like that, I I think he he probably fucking hates him. Yeah. Well, no, I think he, in he, a way, I think, person, I think in a way similar to Brady, that Brady always feels he has to prove himself yeah. because he fell to the sixth. Like Aaron Rodgers should have been the number one overall pick in that draft. And maybe he still feels he has to prove himself because he doesn't get appreciated as he should do. Well, he, he obviously doesn't because they picked Jordan Love in the first. So, yeah. Shots fired. But yeah, I was, I was well surprised by that game because, I mean, Green Bay putting 43 points on a Minnesota defense who we've said has looked strong and... and they lost just, all their pieces, though. We said this. They've, they've yeah, got they, a whole. It might take them a little bit of time to gel. I think this is the. This was unfortunately because they didn't know it was going to happen. The wrong season to blow up the defense and start with a whole new bunch of players. That's true. Yeah. That's true, I guess. Yeah. That defense is like it's, la- it's lacking depth at DB now. There's not. There's not. 
And yeah, they're going to probably going to collapse in a few years anyway because of the cap issues they've got. Is that is that why they you're able to get uh, Lazard? Um, was it St. Brown that had a good big game? Uh, it's Volder Scantling and Lazard. Volder Scantling. Yeah. Is that partially because of the Vikings' lack of depth? Um, perhaps. I think Volder Scantling is just a good receiver, like hands down anyway, because obviously he had a good year last year as well. Mm. And yeah, I think that it most certainly does play a, play a part in the fact that they don't have the depth of DB and the depth and this talent on defense that they'd had a few years ago. But yeah, yeah. it's just, it shows that they've, they've, they've taken a step down defensively for sure. Okay. You, and sorry, Joe, go ahead. I, I was just saying, you'd hope the D line could, you know, take some pressure off the secondary in that regard, like we saw in the Washington game. But when you're dealing with the Packers O line and the O line coach, so the Packers are amazing as well. Plus there's Daniel Hunter out. He missed the game uh, through injury. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, that's a big loss. So, Stan, where, where did the media get it right? I think the media got it right in the fact that, say for Adrian Peterson, the Lions' offence is still very stale. The Matt Stafford was 24 of 42. Mm. And I know I've, I've been one to fight his corner in, in some episodes and in just life in general because of the fact that he is he's underappreciated because of the yeah, talent yeah. he's got around him. But 24 of 42, and you want to be called a great quarterback in this league. That's that's not acceptable, and you're never going to win games if you play like that. No, you are you are right, Stan. But at the same time, when you're missing Kenny Galladay, number one receiver, is going to make it a bit trickier. But with the amount of injuries around the league, that is just going to have to be something that teams yeah. figure out a way to deal with this year because it's not going to be an excuse. You can't say, "Oh, we were an injured team, that's why we didn't make it the playoffs" or something like that, because everyone is dropping like flies at the moment. Mm-hmm. Damn There's right. a freaking pandemic going on, man. Everyone's hurting. They're all physically injured. They don't have the virus. Well, you never know. Yeah. Well, you reckon that's just a cover for anyone that's got the virus? He's like, oh, he's got a soft oh. tissue, tissue injury. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got his ACL. <laughs> he's going to be out for nine months. <laughs> but coach, I was fine four months ago. No, <laughs> ACL, we've got to use it as a cover story. You've your ACL, remember? Right, so the one I think the media and us as well, we were both right and somehow wrong about the same thing. And that was something Joe mentioned earlier. It was Mitch Trubisky. Oh, yeah. Because Joe, you said how great, you mentioned how great he was earlier on in that fourth quarter to lead the team to a comeback. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't he great throughout the whole game. Bad throws yeah. in the foot, the fir- especially in that first half. They shouldn't have been in the hole they were in. They had to take them out of. So. I mean, we've already covered this briefly anyway, so, so I don't have to go too far into it. But at some point, Mitch Trubisky and the Bears are going to have to decide which version of him exists and they can trust going forwards. And if you can't put it together long-term, then they're going to have to look somewhere else shortly. I'll oh, just yeah. ditch, ditch the guy already. It's the Lions' defence. Like, it's not like he, he overcame some Goliath of a defence like the Steelers or something. It's the, it's the Lions. And he was still 20 of 36. Which, I tell you what, yeah. if that throw to Anthony Miller had been thrown by, I don't know, Wentz or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, we'd have seen it about 15 times already on all over Twitter. That's true. The, the, the throw to Anthony Miller at the end was fucking amazing. It, yeah. Right in the corner. It was an outstanding throw, but that's one ball and he did miss 16. Yeah, and he had a pretty bad non-interception. Was it the first or the second quarter? Yeah, it's just terrible. It's, it's early game, Mitch, versus yeah. late game, Mitch. He wouldn't need to be as good at the late game if he was a bit more confident early on. 
Although that may be one of the biggest overreactions anyway, that Mitch can be competent based on what he did. Like Stad said, against an iffy Lions defense, that when he turned it around, Desmond Trufant had gone out by that point mm. and they didn't have Jeff Akuda playing. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it's a not particularly great defense missing key people. So, in the second, congratulations, Mitch. So, you see something, um, run with it. Um, Joe, what was something that you've basically there's a big claim that maybe is or isn't true? I kind of touched on this earlier. And I've seen it in places, but Russell Wilson does look like an MVP candidate. Yeah, I can agree with you there. This is accurate. This isn't an overreaction. This is yeah. true. This is what I'm saying. It's it's not unfounded. I think there was that whole big thing on, on Twitter saying with Seahawks fans saying, let Russell cook before the game. And it seemed to be what they did, like we said, allowing for many more pass attempts in the first half than what, what's usual of the Seahawks. And I think if they allow... Wilson to take over the reins a bit more on the offense, put the team on his back like he's shown he can do a million times before, then he has the talent to carry this team places and if possible, take them to the first place in the NFC West. I'm not going to get over myself and you know promise that because you know they did just beat the Falcons, so like we'll have to see how they do against more tough tougher defenses and if they stick to get you know giving Russell the the reins of the offense, but. I'm hoping that, you know, it's not unfounded. I think they that he could easily win the MVP this year if he keeps us up. But no, I've kind I of agree. I, I don't think that's overhyping what happened in week one particularly. Stan, what have you got? Um, I hate the narrative that Tom Brady is washed. It's a narrative we hear every single year. It's, is Tom Brady done? Is this his final year? Is he, is he finally coming to an end after... A, many many successful seasons in the league and as much as Matt will hate to say this he's not done he's still got gas left in the tank and if you're going to judge uh, an elite quarterback off one game then you need to reevaluate because yeah. one game is nowhere near long enough to evaluate quarterback especially against a Saints defence a new scheme a new system after you spent your entire career playing for the same guy same mm. city same team so yeah. for me, this narrative is completely stupid and it complete, continues to be proved to be stupid every single year. Yeah. So and, there's no reason to believe it. Yeah. Another than last year as well, when Brady was at the Patriots, they started slow every season. It seemed the last five year, years, around week four, we were hearing, is Brady done? Yeah. And it's going to follow him until he, until he retires. But I know I think Brady knows his body maybe better than anyone else in the league. He's really in touch with that whole side of it. you got that TB12. So... If Brady didn't think he'd have it anymore, why would he risk his whole legacy to move to Tampa and keep playing? That's a really valid point. It's, yeah, he knows he's got gas left in the tank. He knows, well, he, he, he certainly believes that he's a quarterback who can play in a system that's not chaired essentially by Bill Belichick. So he needs to, he thinks he's got something to go out and prove and I respect him for doing that. And I hope he proves us, he proves all the media wrong in the coming weeks as the, um, as the Bucks take shape. Yeah, and given the context of the pandemic, I mean, we can kind of li- let him go with a bit of slack for the start of the season anyway. Yeah, for sure. Nice. nice. Yeah, I don't think the realistic expectations for Brady were necessarily to win this division because the Saints, as we said all off-season, are one of the strongest teams in the league. So a wildcard sport with the Bucks is a really good result and it's a stepping stone for that team going forward with Brady. Yeah, I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in what, like 12, 15 years? Bucks, I don't think. Yeah, they are pretty naff. 
just as a franchise historically. Yeah. They had yeah, one year sure. when they won it only because Gruden knew everything the Raiders were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Sneaky boy. Sneaky man. Matt, have you got anything? Big reactions you saw from week one? Oof. I mean, there were lots of people calling, and it, it might just be because, obviously, Miami fan and everything, but calling for Tua to get the start. No, we can't have that. After Fitzpatrick dropped a less than fantastic performance. Um, and, I mean, I'll admit in the moment as well, after that that um, game ceiling interception, if you'd asked me in that moment who I wanted to start in week two, I would have said fucking to it because I was enraged that at Fitzpatrick's performance. But when you actually go back and look at it and break it down, you know, he was actually pretty unfortunate in, in some, I mean, he made some bad decisions, but for example, the Stefan Gilmore, Gilmore pick, it's actually a very well thrown ball to Preston Williams who slips mm. before the ball arrives to him, which, it, which results in the pick. Like he, he, Fitzpatrick was unlucky, and I think a lot has been made out of that performance. When actually you've got to take into account, it's still the Patriots' defense. Yes, they've lost a few pieces, but it's, they're still a good defense. Um, first game of the season, as we've said before, um, you know Devontae Parker was out for most of the game with a hamstring issue, so that's your number one go-to receiver out of the game. Um, so I think the calls for Fitzpatrick to yeah, for Tua to come in as you know next week are, are outlandish, and I think Fitzpatrick will put in a much better performance, you know, next week and 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 going forward. Yeah, can't argue with that. I think you're. I don't see enough pieces on your offense that you could say, oh, Fitzpatrick isn't getting the full potential out of them. You put Tua in, and he can lift everyone. Your offense isn't that point. I think. You just feed him to the wolves if you put him in at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's There's nothing to be gained by putting Tua in at this point in the season. Yeah. Like there are some coaches, I think Bruce Arians was saying how you don't get you don't learn anything as a quarterback by sitting on the side of the notepad, but you don't get gain anything sitting behind a bad offensive line with a sub subpar offense. I don't think that there's going to be any way that Tua le- like can learn any can can learn much certainly. Mm. In, on that team, though, on that on that note, mentioning offensive line, Austin Jackson was fucking great on Sunday. Your left and tackle, Solomon Kindley was also really really good. So I was pleasantly surprised with the improvement of the Dolphins O line. Yeah, that's last season. But in the same point, you know, like I said, there's nothing to be gained from putting two in now. It's not like two a to his introduction would suddenly elevate all the other pieces around. The offense in general just looked a bit lethargic. I think a lot of that had to do with the play calling. I think a lot of that had to do with the lack of sort of chemistry and stuff. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, it wasn't a case of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, these the receivers are wide open or and he's missing them or he's making the wrong reads. It was just a case of, you know, as a unit, it wasn't working. So I don't think putting two in would solve anything. And like I said, the, the risk reward is outlandish you could potentially ruin your future franchise QB by throwing him to the wolves too early and shutting his confidence yeah I think look I've just brought up the Dolphins schedule when you were talking there and look at I think if you if you feel you have to play Tua this year because either it's not working like you're not making the playoffs either way so it seems a bit of a waste to ruin his confidence there but week 10 seems like a good starting point where you play the New York Jets then you have a bye week in week 11. So you, recover, you look at all the mistakes. 
then you play the Jets again. Play those Jets. And then you play the Bengals. So three weeks with a bye in there. That seems like the perfect time to sort of... That's as eased into an NFL career as you're going to get. Yeah, and by the way, the Jets are fucking awful. By the way, that's not an overreaction. Yeah. That that's an underreaction, if anything. They were fucking awful. They were so. They were the worst team in the NFL on Sunday. Right. Yeah, other than were. the second, other than the second half Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest reaction I saw this week. I don't think it's an overreaction at all. I think Mike McCarthy has absolutely swindled the Cowboys organization Ooh. by Ooh. talking his way into a head coaching job. I don't understand why he was hired there in the first place. When I watched that game, I saw the 2018 um, Packers. I saw the 2017 Packers. I saw a Dak looked good. Zeke looked good when they were doing things. But at the end of the game, it was a disappointing offensive performance. Mm. And the whole thing just looked slow and lazy. And it just... It just lacked invention. You've got Kellen Moore at OC, who's supposed to be this really bright mind. I didn't, you don't see any of it when no. they were playing the Rams at the weekend. I don't know who he massaged to get that job. Is Kellen I've... Moore calling the plays in Dallas, yeah. or is it, is it Mike McCarthy? It Kellen is. Moore's talk, calling see, the plays in Dallas. I think, yeah, he talked his way into that job completely because he almost he sold the fact that he almost spent like a sabbatical year going around and learning stuff from different coaches and developing his offense and incorporating new concepts, new schemes and stuff. But I didn't see anything inventive. <laughs> no. no, there was nothing inventive at all. He's the same old he's the same old guy and it's just it's just the same old cowboys, which isn't bad, but it's not it's not great as their roster should be. Week one, you've had all off season, you've got such great weapons on that Cowboys offense. And you've got a great O-line. There shouldn't be an issue there. Yeah. If you're going to come out and you've got a whole load of inventive stuff, at least show it on the field on the first week of the season. Because I don't know if he's either scared to try things until he's got a base of success. But if you're not going to come in and have these big games with these inventive players, what's the point? Yeah. Uh, you're not I think going it's to... part of the fact that Kellen Moore's calling the offense. It's going to be the same thing as last year, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, then, why, why then what good does it do having this guy that's coming and learns all these offensive tricks? Exactly. Why, why had they kept Kellen Moore there? If the offense wasn't functioning the way you'd like it to last year, why are you keeping the same offensive coordinator? If you get rid of the head coach, in my opinion, you should get rid of the offensive coordinator too because mm. otherwise you're keeping, you're keeping remnants from the previous guy's oh. tenure. I think That's the Jason thought is that said. Kellen Moore had all these ideas and they were maybe the thought was that Jason Garrett with his... I mean, he's basically a big Jason Garrett that isn't ginger. <laughs> That's all he is. Like, he he, instead of clapping, he eats. It's <laughs> just on the sideline. Jason Garrett. I don't understand what fat. difference he makes. They're both yeah. got these. They're both got offensive backgrounds, but neither of them have done anything. What yeah. Mike McCarthy hasn't done anything since they won the Super Bowl. What 2013? Yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. Either, he's either uh, a fat Jason Garrett or a shit Andy Reid. Depends how you look at it, really. <laughs> I don't even want to put yeah, in the same conversation as Andy Reid. That's, that's just rude. <laughs> Maybe in size, but... Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> no, I, don't, I think that's a disservice to Andy Reid by comparing him in any way to Mike McCarthy. Hmm. Fair he play. got McCarthy as well. Hmm. Reid got gut. Do you guys think uh, Reid's going to change his face mask for next week, by the way? Well, so he can that. see. Yeah, that looked terrible. He needs to get some like anti fog lens or some sort of thing. If he comes in with little like windscreen wipes, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be amazing. 
It's just someone's be... job to like go up and down it with a toothbrush. Why, or something. He just, why didn't he just wear a mask? I don't know. Because he's Andy Reid. He does <laughs> what he wants. Apparently on that note, there's going to be a, the NFL sent around a memo that's going to be coming down on coaches that weren't wearing a mask properly or the ones that had it around their neck or just like in front of their mouth. And Sean McVay. Yeah. Well, I don't think yeah. I saw Kyle Shanahan with a mask on his face once. No, I don't think King, Kingsbury had his run his chin half the game, I'm pretty sure. What is it with these guys? They think because yeah. they're, they're smart play callers, the rules don't apply to them. What, you, you can outsmart a virus? No, nah, they, <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't notch off their designer stubble. Exactly. <laughs> Get it in a mask, gents. We don't care enough. <laughs> All right, so moving on to week two. Big prediction, do more coaches wear masks? Yes. Yeah. I'd hope so. All right. So same last week, we're going to go upset, drubbing, and then the game of the week. So let's kick this off with Matt. Who's your upset of the week? Um, It is a tough one. I think there's quite a few. It's difficult to pick out like an upset. I mean, I'm going to go, but I am going to go with Minshew Man to make it, to make the Jags 2-0 who no one would have thought that possible with the, you know, starting with Indy, who everyone was blabbering on about, and uh, Tennessee, all the off-season stuff that Jacksonville have had to deal with. Minshew leads them to 2-0 and by uh, upsetting the Titans. A win. I've gone with the exact same thing. I've, I've yeah. gone with the same thing as well. Because you know what the Tash is about now. If we're all on board, does that make it not an upset? Yeah, because it's just in this room. Everyone else <laughs> I don't know. I, I think if you said it this time last week, then it would have been considered more of an upset. But considering how well Minshew played last year, last week, and how well the, the Jags shut down the Colts' running game, then I don't think it's out out of the question that the Jags take a win in, um, against Tennessee. It's definitely a step up in competition against the Titans, though. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I've just put down for that. I would love to see it, but but don't think it will. <laughs> oh, you're, I'm counting you as a hater then. I mean, it's an upset of a week for a reason. But... It's everyone against the stash. Yeah, I thought it was the most realistic upset that probably is quite decent odds because the rest of them, it's, it was quite a hard week to find somewhere yeah. where you can see an underdog maybe winning. I think the Jags probably match up quite well against the Titans just on the fact that the Titans strength is that running game like the Colts was. And the Jags yeah. did a really good get, job against them, like Stan said earlier. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I wanted to go with the uh, Dolphins upsetting the Bills, but the way that the Dolphins were basically trying playing flag football against the run on uh, on Sunday against the Patriots, I don't hold out a lot of hope. Oh, the Bills are going to drop them. That that could be a drop, which makes yeah. me really sad. But with my realistic hat on, we could get dropped. Could get dropped. Stan, have you had a bit of time to drop. think about your upset? Um, well, that would have been my upset, really. All right, let's let's lock it in. Four of I, us going you know with what? the. You know, I'll, I'll change things up. Actually, okay. I'll go for Panthers beating the Buccaneers and their trip to Tampa this weekend. Ooh. Fucking wow! Explain. People are going to get their pitchforks out against Brady if that happens. Jesus, Look, I just don't think the, the, the team's not there yet. The Bucks defense isn't there. I know Carolina and Carolina on the other hand, they're this fun young team. They've got nothing to lose. They've got nothing to prove this season. Apart from the fact that well, Teddy Bridgewater's got something to prove. He needs to prove that he's worthy of that starting jersey and that starting job. And it might not happen, but I think there's a strong... sniffing at the heels. 
Oh, shut up, Joe. That Panthers defense has me worried, though. They got torn apart by the Raiders. Yeah. That was a, that was a really close game, actually. I was really that, back and forth. That's why it would be an upset. I'm not saying the Panthers are a good football team. I'm just saying they could upset the Buccaneers. And it's it's not something that I'd bet on, but it is the second most likely thing to happen other than the Jags beating the Titans. Yeah. What about the Bengals beating the Browns on Thursday night? Would that be an upset? Not oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that would be a massive upset. But I, Possible? I can't... Not oh, possible. yeah. I think that's possible. I don't, uh, yeah, I think that's possible. I wouldn't say that's like a, a huge upset compar- comparatively to where they were at this. What we were thinking at the start of the season. I think the fact. I think the fact it's on a Thursday night as well. Um, maybe hinders um, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow more than it does Baker Mayfield mm. because of the more yeah. experience that Baker Mayfield has. Because Joe Burrow has never played a short week in his life before. He would have yeah. never experienced anything like this in college or high school. So perhaps we see a step back, but it, it, it's not with it. It's not within without the realms of possibility that yeah. the, the Bengals do take a take a win here. I think the reaction to Burrow's debut was a bit of an overhype as well. Like he was all right. The thing was that oh, Joe Burrow has arrived in the NFL. He, he was he was fine. He didn't do anything that yeah. really made you go wow. He had one QB draw play, but yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. It, but... it didn't blow, it didn't blow anything away, did he? Yeah, I think the hype's being like artificially engineered purely because he's the only rookie QB starting in week one. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And what was it I told you guys about the rookie of the year thing? Wouldn't it's, if he's getting if he's getting that hype after week one where he played meh? It's going to be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, it's, it's it just is like I, I don't think any of the three, rookie QBs are going to be outstanding this year. It's always a throwy man, Joe. It's always, <laughs> always a throwy man. Okay, so moving on. Stan, were you putting the Dolphins as your dropping of the week? And Matt as well, it sounded like. <sighs> that was a very uh, strange noise. But yeah, Bills, <laughs> I'm, I'm high on the Bills. I love my Bills. I love what Sean McDermott's doing there. And I'm not a great fan of the Dolphins this year. I think they're, they're a fun team, but they're young, inexperienced. So... Yeah, I can see the Bills walking all over them, especially as they've had a week. They've already had a week to develop the offense, get that rhythm going between Diggs and Allen. I can see them walking all over them. Fuck it, I'm changing mine. San Francisco are going to absolutely fucking pigs wallop the Jets. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have yeah, gone for that. That's, that's too obvious, yeah. though. Well, surprise, surprise. I'm going for the really obvious one. Jets are shit. San Francisco aren't. Yeah, Monster's going to prove they can rush for more than 56 yards in a game. Yeah, I'd like to see the Jets stop anyone, let alone Kyle Shanahan's running scheme. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Mine is the same team as last week to pick. Uh, The Texans got battered. The scoreline was not a true reflection of the game, and even that wasn't that close. And I think it's going to be even worse against the Ravens. Because the best part of the Texans' offense somehow was David Johnson rushing the ball and... We already said how good Calais Campbell looked for the Ravens. I think they should be able to oh, slow him down. And it does, it, I don't think it's going to be that close. Lamar Jackson looks even better than he did last year. Mm. Yeah. It, when he escapes now, it's almost like he's looking for that pass and then running, which we didn't see a lot from his last year. Not that he never did it. His eyes stay downfield for way much yeah. longer this year. And his deep ball looked phenomenal. There was a particular pass I noticed downfield to Marquise Brown. 
And oh, that was beautiful. It really was. It, it was Kyler Murray-esque, to say the least. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you comparing? But that's definitely the, the part of his game that's improved the most. I think it was 9 for 10 on, on deep uh, downfield passes mm. last game. And in, I think impressive. he had a perfect passer rating in the red zone as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the Texans just looked like they missed Hopkins because they didn't have a go-to guy. We spoke we spoke about it in our chat on Thursday night when we were watching the game. It's just they don't have anywhere that they can go when they need a big play. Yeah. And I back every single one of the Ravens DBs over the Texans receivers. I don't think there's a one single good matchup for the Texans there. I feel yeah. bad for Deshaun Watson going into this game. It's a tough two it's tough two weeks to start for the Texans and it's not going to help Bill O'Brien. Oh, Bill, Bill O'Brien's got a go. He's, he's <laughs> it's well either that or Watson goes, I think. He's, just, he's not going anywhere, mate. He just signed a contract and there's a no-trade clause. <laughs> he's here. Interesting. Um, Joey? My trouncing of the week is the Packers will trounce the Lions, I, I believe. Yeah. Given, given Aaron Rodgers' performance last, last That's a good uh, shout. That's a really good week. shout. Yeah. I, th- I think, generally speaking, the Vikings' defense have got worse this year, but I still think they're better in a lot of ways than the Lions are. And I think, you know, Rogers, like I said, looks like he's on a warpath. He's he's having a bit of a vengeance season, and I think he's going to absolutely let loose on on the Lions. He, he could easily beat four touchdowns. No, I agree. Uh, but knowing ours, the likelihood is that it's just going to be the Titans absolutely spank the Jaguars and we all look like mugs again. Yeah, probably. That would suck. No one wins in that situation. No one. Well, the Titans win. Yeah, the Titans definitely win in that one. But football's the loser. Final prediction for the week. What's going to be the best game? I don't even need you to say who's going to win it. What's going to be the best game of the week? Can I, can I say mine? Because you've already said yours potentially yeah go for it you've already said it but it was your drumming of the week i put the texans versus the ravens just for the simple fact deshaun watson versus lamar jackson it's going to be an interesting game to watch no matter what the the score no matter what the result i think you know two promising young qbs that everyone undoubtedly some of the best in the nfl so Mm. must watch game in my opinion yeah not a bad shout fair enough matt um pats versus seahawks I think will be an awesome game to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Cam Newton looked really good for New England. Obviously, we've spoken about Russell Wilson and and how that Seattle offense suddenly looks like they've taken the reins off and they're letting Russ do what he can do against a very strong back end and secondary in New England. I think that'll be a really cool matchup to watch. I think yeah. as long as the Patriots don't let the Seahawks get out to an early lead. It should be. I worry about the Patriots in shootouts because not even a Cam Newton point of view, just the fact they've got no speed, downfield yeah. speed on offense. Even with yeah. Brady, they struggled to stay in high-scoring games with the Ravens last year. It was the first time they looked exposed. They're, they're designed to manage the clock and control time possession rather than blitz teams with big plays. Yeah, uh, for sure. So I'm hoping that that game will stay close enough for it to be interesting throughout. But I think just the display of talent on both sides of the ball makes it a really interesting matchup. Um, I think the Falcons' trip to Jerry World is going to be pretty exciting. As yeah. um, Despite the fact the Falcons lost last week, whilst, as did the Cowboys, Matt Ryan put up a shed load of yards. Like any, always any, does. Always does. Mm. Any, of you, any of you fancy fans, you had him in your team, Julio Jones, 
<laughs> Bitches, Colin. Uh, Calvin Ridley, any of those, you'll all know how effective that Falcons offense was. And the Dallas Cowboys, they've got something to prove here. They're coming off a loss to the Los Angeles Rams. Kellen Moore, obviously, something to prove as his offense was mediocre and uninspiring. So, two teams looking for something to prove. Be there, 6 p.m. Fox Sports. Yeah, I think <laughs> this will be I, Jerry World. I, <laughs> I've gone with the same, same as you, Van. I think it helps how bad both these defenses could be. Hmm. But Van Der Esch is already out for eight to ten weeks with a broken collarbone. I know the Cowboys' defense did not look good against the Rams. They made the Rams' O line look pretty good again. So I don't know if that's the D line isn't as good as it was for the Cowboys, but it, it's got me a bit worried for them. So well, not that worried as an Eagles fan, but hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I, th- I think this could turn into a bit of a shootout. Falcons games—they never shut anyone out. They'll score a lot of points. So most Falcons games are worth watching anyway, especially hmm. when they play teams that are built almost in a similar vein to the what they are yeah yeah dallas secondary is not good either so mooks off big plays so that is the end of today's show thank you so much for listening make sure you check out our website for our full game picks and articles at thedropback.com or thedropback.co.uk follow us on all of our social media instagram and twitter at thedropback Facebook at the Dropback UK. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Sam. I've been Matt. I've been Joe. I've been Stan. And until next time, goodbye. Peace. The Dropback with Sam Lewis, Matt Burns Peak, and Joe Costanzo. Dan's got a new microphone. Yeah, it's pretty saucy. That looks pretty legit. Amazon's finest. Wait, tap it again. I couldn't hear that. Oh, that sounds high quality.